This is KMTT. The week begins this uh, winter, Tavshin Ayn, with a shiur by Harav Benjamin Tavori, a series, weekly series, on uh, modern responsa of the 20th century, more or less, both the individual and the and the topic. Harav Benjamin Tavori. One of the most interesting gedolim who wrote Sheilot Tshuvot in the 20th century was Harav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, the author of the set of Svarim named Sridei Eish. Rav Weinberg was born in 1885 and learned in the yeshivas of Mir and Slabatka, where he w- was widely recognized as a an Ilui, a great scholar, even in his youth. At a very young age, he became a Rav in Lithuania, in a small city. In 1907, he went, he was appointed Rav, but during the First World War, he he went to Germany, where he studied in university and received a doctorate. He became a Rav in a community in Berlin, and taught in the famous rabbinic seminary, which was called Beit HaMidrash Rabbanim, and eventually he was appointed as rector of the universe of that particular Beit Midrash. He later on traveled back to Eastern Europe, and during the Shoah was placed in various concentration camps. A sickly person, after the liberation, he went to Montreux in Switzerland, where there was a very dear family who took care of him, the Weingart family. In Montreux, he had some famous students. In Montreux, he established a yeshiva, or he was part of a yeshiva, and he wrote, he had a tremendous contact in correspondence with people all over the world, both the rabbinic world, the yeshiva world, and the intellectual world. In terms of his personality, he was a rather unusual person. In certain respects, an iconoclast. In certain respects, he continued very much as part of the yeshiva influence which he felt in his youth. A remarkable biography of Rabbi Dr. Shapiro, Rabbi, of Rabbi Dr. Weinberg, was written by Dr. Mark Shapiro from Scranton University. His book, which is an intellectual biography of Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, the subtitle is between the title is between the yeshiva world and modern orthodoxy, but the subtitle is the life and works of Avichil Yaakov Weinberg. Was is a masterpiece of information of the period, an analysis of the personality of Rav Weinberg and also of his literary oeuvre. Rabbi. Uh, Rabbi Berkowitz, Eliezer Berkowitz, the known philosopher and scholar, 
was a student of Rev. Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg. He is quoted by Mark Shapiro as saying that any of the biographies of Rabbi Weinberg would have to show, and I quote now, the complexity of his character, the inner struggles, the tragedy and loneliness of his life. He was married fairly young in an arranged marriage which he did not come to grips with. He soon divorced his wife and he lived alone his whole life. In Montreux, he was befriended by the Weingart family and although the father of the family passed away in a tragic accident, he still remained friendly with the family. The child being brought up in that family, Harav Avram Abba Weingart, was very close to Avichel Yaakov Weinberg and he has been an impetus in publishing various svarim of Rav Yaakov Weinberg. Mark Shapiro tells a story in the introduction to his biography, which is extremely important to understand the dilemma of Rav Yaakov Weinberg himself and the way he was viewed in the world. The story was at the funeral of Rav Yaakov Weinberg, who passed away in 1966, the Aron was brought to Yerushalayim. It was supposed to be taken to the cemetery at Sanhedria where many great people are buried. The people that came to, to this particular funeral of Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg included the leaders of Israel at the time. The People who were friendly with Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg included the President of Israel, Zalman Shazar, the Chief Rabbis, Government Ministers, etc. The funeral procession was met by students of the Yeshiva world, notably students of Rabbi Chatzkel Sarna, the Rosh Yeshiva of Hebron, who was himself a close friend of Rabbi Weinberg, and there ensued a debate, almost a fight, as to where Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg should be buried. Should he be buried with those people, the Gedolei Ha'uma in Sanhedria, or should he be buried together with the Yeshiva world in Haramanuchos? Eventually, Rav Chatzko Sarna and his group won out. But this issue of who was Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, was he really a traditional Rosh Yeshiva from the Yeshiva world entrenched in the yeshiva world, or was he more of a scholarly person involved in a more general world, was the debate, in, in fact, at, at the funeral itself. The other issues of his life are very fascinating, and as I said, I would recommend reading the book of uh, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Rav Weinberg himself wrote the Chuvos called Sridayesh, and of course the name is very touching, Sridayesh. On one hand, it could refer to the author himself, Sridayesh, but on the other hand, it refers to the Chuvas. In the introduction to the first volume, Rav Yechio Yaakov Weinberg pointed out that many of his writings, in fact, his library, his writings, were all lost during the Shoah. He actually left only with the clothes on his back. The only writings that were left were saved by that scholar, 
the student of Ebichir Yaakov Weinberg, Dr. Eliezer Berkowitz, who after the Shoah returned those writings to Rav Weinberg, and there, those tshuvas are printed in the Swedish. Many of the tshuvas, of course, were written after the Shoah. The issues that Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg dealt with are very wide. The people to whom he responded were people from all over the world, different, even different types of people. And the, the volumes printed by Mossad Rav Cook rapidly became a very important svarim in rabbinic libraries. Lately, new editions and new svarim of Rav Yaakov Weinberg have been reprint, printed and reprinted. One of the uh, the ideas of the committee that worked on his writings is to reprint the Swedish in a more user-friendly type of volume. And they've recently printed Shailot uh, Shvat which is, and the Chuvot are divided differently than the original Chuvas of, of Sridayesh. There were other Svaim also, uh, scholarly works and uh, Drashas that were written by Rav Weinberg. We will, of course, deal with certain of the Chuvas that reflect some of his thinking and some of the particular issues of the time. In the original ish, edition of Sridayesh, the first issue that is raised is a long kuntris describing the problems of Shechita when the Nazi government came into power. The statement originally was that Shechita, as it was practiced by Jews throughout the centuries, was to be outlawed. They, however, said that you could or you should give electric shocks to the animal, in which case, after the animal was stunned, it could be shechted kadin. The question was, would this be acceptable within the realm of halacha? Now we also have to remember the situation at the time. In order to bring meat and somehow it was allowed to bring in meat from other sources, but it was not so easy to get and it was quite expensive. The various communal organizations which had a kosher kitchen were felt that they would be forced to serve non-kosher food. The necessities of the time caused Rav Yaakov Weinberg to write a kuntris. If a heter could be found for such a practice. His own feelings about the issue seem to be somewhat ambivalent. In one hand, it seems that he wrote this tshuva in order to permit such an action. On the other hand, he refused, of course, the paskin and sent it to many people and asked for their opinions. And sometimes he it seems that he felt he only raised the issue for people to deal with, but not that he himself felt that it would be mutter. This is rather a question that has to be read when you read the tshuvas themselves very carefully. The issue, of course, was first to be determined by exactly what does this electrocution accomplish. It doesn't kill the behemoth because that would certainly not be permitted. 
But the question would it be? Would be? Would it make the the animal into a trefa, an animal that will die if not by shechita immediately would die almost by itself? What is the effect on the particular parts of the body of the animal, specifically the brain? Many of these issues had to be determined, both the physical situation where a doctor was consulted, and also to write a tshuva on the basis of which it could be permitted. Rav Weinberg, realizing the necessities, the exigencies of the time, suggested a form of heter which he based on three main principles which he briefly elaborated upon about could it be considered a, there is a cheskas heter? The assumption is that things that the animal was mutter, unless we prove it otherwise. Could there be a rove in such a case? And he dealt with the various issues. He sent this tshuva to many of the his countries, to many gedolim, and almost everyone was machmir. In fact, some responded, and all these tshuvas, or at least uh, a great deal of tshuvas, were are printed in this ridayesh. A number of the people discussed not only the particular halachic issues involved, but they were afraid of the ramifications of such a heter. Because they felt, once we saw that uh, we could be mati this, maybe other issues would be raised, maybe it would lead to a breach in the concept of shechita at all. The fact was that the situation in Germany at the time was not that seriously taken in the in the time by at least by some people, and the bottom line is there were people who just opposed it almost without reading the tshuva by just saying you cannot change the standards of shechita at all. In 1960, that's many years later, Rabbi Weinberg wrote another tshuva that's printed in the third volume of Sridayesh to a certain Rav Shor from America. In that shuva, he was asked about some sort of a government requirement to bring the animals into a room which had some sort of compressed air in order to stun them in the way that they should not be afraid and not feel the pain of Shechita. Rav uh, Weinberg referred the questionnaire to a book by Rabbi Dr. Federbush, who was the Rav of Finland, who discussed this particular issue. He also mentions an issue that seems to have bothered Rav Weinberg his entire life. He discussed very briefly the issue whether you could find a heter, but then at the end, he said, I, in my opinion, I don't think you should ask for a heter from the Rabbanim who are the poskim, because I know that the Frum people will never accept it. They'll never accept any change at all in the procedure of Shechita as it was done from, for generations. And when I had a, a speak, a, when I spoke with Menachem, Rabbi Menachem Zemba, he told me that, very cleverly, he said, that this issue will never be decided by the Bale Halacha, but only the Bale HaKabbalah, by the 
at the, by the Hasidic Rebbe's, and they'll never agree. Therefore, Rav, Rav Weinberg advised him not to even raise the issue, because this will bring a tremendous rift in the Jewish community. Interestingly enough, last week, that means in the middle of January, the year 2010, I happened to read an article in the New York Times about Kashrus in our generation. And in a brief side comment, they mentioned that in America, whatever laws they have about the humane slaughter of animals were in, were not uh, imposed upon the shechita of the halacha of done by Jews. I don't know exactly what the laws in America, what the procedures are, and uh, but the uh, it was interesting to note how the shechita is written within the law of the United States to permit something which I as I guess in other communities would not be permitted. In this question, as well as in other questions, we saw Rabbi Yechel Yaakov Weinberg dealing with issues that were important to the community at that time. In some occasions, you see how he tried to work hard to find a reason to be matir, and sometimes he asked he's to ask to bring this question to the other gedolim to decide as a group of Rabbanim. And sometimes he felt that they took too much of a strict approach, but he felt this was the situation and you could do little about it. Occasionally, he tried to break new paths and explain why he thought certain things were permitted. Some of the most famous chuvos of, of Rav Weinberg that are printed in Sri Yesh discuss particular issues involving women. One of the questions that was asked was about the Bas Mitzvah ceremony. In a very famous tshuva, someone asked Rav Weinberg, which is printed in the third volume, Simon Sadi Gimel, whether a Bas Mitzvah ceremony is permitted. Because they raised the issue, is this some sort of a problem of Bechukoseyem, of imitating non-Jewish customs, confirmation rites and other ceremonies. Rav Weinberg discussed the issue of Bechukoseyem, the different questions when Bechukoseyem does apply, if there is a specific purpose in what they do, if it's the purpose of Rav Zara, if it's a good practice to be done, etc., etc. And at the end, he seems to be very inclined not only to permit a bas mitzvah, but to suggest that under today's conditions, it would be advisable to have a bas mitzvah. Nevertheless, he wrote that although he really feels that a bas mitzvah is a good idea, he said, In, in his language, which I'm translating, Rav Weinberg said, in our, gener- in our former generations, 
they did not have to deal with the education of, of young girls as everybody in the Jewish community was filled with Torah, was filled with Yerushalayim, the very atmosphere of the cities was filled with the spirit of Judaism. But today, when the generations have been changed, and the street influence takes away the spark of Judaism from our youth, so therefore he goes on to say why it seems to be important to learn more, to have, and to celebrate a bas mitzvah. At the end, he says, even though I generally would permit a bas mitzvah, I agree with the opinion of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein in his Igros Moshe that you should not celebrate a bas mitzvah in a shul, and even at night, even without other people there. You should do it in a private house or in a hall near the Bet Knesset, and the rabbi should speak in the before the ceremony. Now, from that shuva, it seems that Rabbi Moshe permitted a a, 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 a bat mitzvah, but he said it shouldn't be in shul. If you look in the actual tshuva, which is printed in Igwas Moshe, Arachayim Chedekal of Simon Kuf Dalit, Reb Moshe says, for sure you should not do it in shul. But he says the ceremony, of, and he writes that in a Hebrew word, Ke'ilu, ceremonia, Shabbat Mitzvah, is only an optional thing, and then he writes, Vehevel Ba'alma. It seems that Reb Moshe considered it foolish. And there, therefore, there's no permission to have this in a shul. And he also said that the source of this custom comes from the Reform and Conservative, an issue which Rabbi Moshe felt was problematic, as if we're following their ways. But then Rabbi Moshe said, you want to make a party in your house, like every, every birthday party, you can make the make a birthday party in your house. So it seems that the big difference between Rav Moshe and Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg was Rav Moshe said, yes, you can have a party in the house. Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg emphasized more that a bas mitzvah is a good idea and should be done, although he said it should not be done in shul to accept the psak of Rav Moshe Feinstein. In fact, Rav Moshe Feinstein was asked in a later volume of Tshuvas by Rav Zalman Uri, who was a rabbi in Los Angeles, a person who had studied in the yeshiva of Kletzk under a Baron Cutler, and moved to Los Angeles, he asked Rav Moshe, why is it really true that a bas mitzvah should not be celebrated the same as a bar mitzvah? Because a bas mitzvah is to celebrate the young ladies entering into the world of mitzvahs. That's exactly what we do at a bar mitzvah. We celebrate when a young man enters the world of Torah mitzvahs. So why should there be any difference at all? Rav Moshe was did say it was a good question. He tried to explain the difference between public uh, demonstration of entering the world of mitzvahs, which is felt by boys as they now are are counted for a minion. One might even say they come to shul, they put on tefillin, you make a di- they, it, it shows somehow there's different. And women who who's do enter the world of mitzvahs, but it's done in a way that is not demonstrative at all. Be that as it may, the tshuva of Rav, of, of, uh, Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg is very well known and very often used in the idea of celebrating bas mitzvahs in our generation. Another tshuva of Rav, Moshe, of, Rav, of Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg that became known and world famous was his question about the attitude toward a mixed youth organization called Yeshurun in 
in France at the at the time. In Chelik Bays of the Swedish in Shuvah number Ches, he was asked about this issue, about this organization, and he explained that uh, the people who are opposed are certainly have a basis upon which to base their their opposition. Boys and girls together, they even sing together. And Rev. Weinberg says, to be honest, when he first came to Berlin and he saw that men and women sat together and, and sang Zmiris, he himself was surprised. He, in his communities, they did not behave in that fashion. But however, he discusses the issue of the situation at the time where the youth needed such an organization in order to keep them within the framework of Torah mitzvahs. In many cases, it actually strengthened people who became more connected to the world of Torah mitzvahs. And therefore, he did say that this is certainly permitted, although he said he does understand the people who would disagree. Those people really, he said, should be respected, but they are oblivious of the situation in the world of France at the time. The other issue, of course, which was raised in this tshuva, is could we allow them to sing together? The issue, of course, of Kol Isha was a major problem in allowing men and women to sing together. The Psak of Rav Yaakov Weinberg discussed the idea of singing Shirei Kodesh for the purpose of becoming stronger in Torah in mitzvahs. And therefore, he wrote that you can rely on the opinion that men and women can sing together Zmirot Shabbat. And we know that the people who did so in Germany succeeded in educating their daughters more than other countries. This shuva, of course, was used by many organizations who permit singing zmiros at boys and girls, or shirim, boys and girls together. Bnei Akiva, of course, used this shuva. One might only question whether Rav Weinberg's heter was a blanket heter to be used at all times in all organizations, or perhaps it was only relegated to a particular situation, a particular time, in which case we would have to reevaluate the situation at different times. The um, This heter of his, in a sense, was re- reiterated in a tshuva that he wrote that was printed in the same volume, in volume 14, in uh, question number 14, where he said at the end of the tshuva, that the fact that the women daven out loud is not a problem. And he said the, the great gedolim of, of Germany, including Rav Azriel Hildesheimer, permitted men and women to sit, sing Zmiros for two reasons. One, the heter, Kali Lomishtami, when people sing together in unison, you don't hear individual voices. And the fact that Zmiros Kodesh do not create 
a, an environment where one is tempted to do sin. The uh, advice of Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg is, in this tshuva as well was to try to avoid machlokas as much as possible, but he did say that community singing of men and women together was permitted. In a question where he was, afri- he was aware of the situation w- and was asked by people after the Shoah for another issue, is raised in a tshuva that he wrote to Rabbi Dr. Leo Young of the Jewish Center in New York. Rabbi Young asked him in 1954 if in his shul he could institute saying certain of the Mizmorim, I assume certain Prakim of Tehilim, in English. Apparently, many people did not understand English, uh, and did not understand Russian Kodesh, and it felt, it was felt that it would make the service, as it were, more uh, palatable to people. They would understand it better if you translated it. So, Rev. Uh, Weinberg answered, it's a very delicate issue. Because there is no Isur about such an idea at all. Because we know that you can have it in any language. But, Rav Weinberg said, I know that the Haredim will oppose you and they'll say that you are one of the people, perhaps he was referring to reform, and they'll people, people who'll start up about your shul, they'll say you're speaking in English, and he said, why should you cause such pain to the Yureim Atmimim, to these fine religious people who cannot stand, actually abhor any change in Minig, in, in any, any new innovation. He also added another point. Rather than give in to the masses and translate everything into English, we should make sure that Hebrew is continued in our world and we should daven in Hebrew to encourage people to learn more Hebrew. He also said not to change the old minhagim is an important custom. Now that's a very interesting question to see what Rev Weinberg's attitude was in all the tshuvas. And, and, and Professor Shapiro has a discussion of this in de- different and quotes many tshuvas in this respect. Because in this particular tshuva, he seems to say the use the famous uh, quote of the he doesn't say it directly of the Chasam Sofer of Chadash Asam and Torah any new innovation would be forbidden. So, but in other tshuvas, he does suggest uh, new innovations, as we saw in the uh, bas mitzvah ceremony. At the end of this particular tshuva, Rabbi Weinberg wrote to Rabbi Young, "My advice as a friend, as a loyal friend, is not to do this. People who want to can use an English translation in their own seder, but not in in the community. In Hebrew, in shul, we should only use the lashon kodesh." Tefillah should be expressed in the language of the Anshikness Agdola, as we were, as they taught us, Bidam Libam Uvidimot Inam, literally translated by the blood of their heart, by the tears of their eyes. So in this tshuva, Rabbi Weinberg was opposed to translating Tfilos and saying them into English.
and saying them in English.